everybody. Welcome to the Theomatic Podcast. And this is a series called Conversations in Contrast. And today, from Central California, Central Valley, yes. California, I have the one and the only Isaiah Saldivar. Yes, you said it right. Oh. From an undisclosed location. <laughs> from an undisclosed bunker in yep. the middle of... <laughs> We're not telling you where we're coming from, but it's somewhere in the Central Valley. I don't even know where we're at, to be honest <laughs> with you. <laughs> so um, just want to preface what this specific series is about. And it's about the idea that so many people that are being used by God in mighty ways that people see from afar, they're in a congregation, they see a pastor or on social media these days, they see a YouTuber like you yeah. or TikTok, Instagram. They see people preaching and doing amazing things and they're sometimes thinking to themselves, well, my life is broken. I mm. struggle. I have thoughts that those people are just, their life is perfect. They're mm. just called by God, gifted by God. I can never be like that. And so social media is good in some, in some ways. And, and we're, some of us are using it for the kingdom and it's terrible in other ways. We yes. know that. But one thing that's maybe people don't think about unintentionally, we're training a generation because it's so filtered. Mm. To look at other people's lives and think, well, their life is perfect and I know mine isn't. So, um, And so on this series, we just wanted to kind of pull back the curtain on whether you call it pain, struggle, the dark night of the soul, the making of a man mm. through sorrow and suffering in the kingdom of God. And uh, because the, ra <coughs> Excuse me, the rain falls on the just and the unjust. And so... Um, I'm going to introduce you, Isaiah, the way that I've been introducing everybody, if it's okay with you. <laughs> yeah, go for it. Which is this. I didn't ask you for a a written up bio and all of the you know accolades, which I'm sure you have many that you know would be written in a nice form. Uh, a little couple. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> what, uh, what I'm trying to do is is to prep, like introduce somebody, just like the lens that a quote unquote normal person might think of you it's good from the seat that they're sitting in whether they see you on youtube or whatever so um i did get the privilege to get to know you a little bit more today over the last few hours so i know more now than i did you know i'm crazy wild radical about everything <laughs> yes yes i and we're gonna talk about that later that it's validated <laughs> isaiah is not just loud and intense on camera He's like that in his car All driving. The time. Yeah, this is, and that is like a sign of a. I just respect it so much when somebody is who they present to the public. But we'll yeah. talk about that later. So, what I saw from afar, never having met you in person before, and what I think maybe n people would normally see is, man, this dude is reaching millions of people. So, I think like maybe your TikTok is, I don't know, four or 500,000, yeah. 200,000 followers on Instagram. Almost a million on YouTube. We're getting there. Hopefully this year. Yeah, we're come on, on track. We'll see. Yeah, like almost a million on YouTube, which is massive. You're you're traveling and preaching all the time, whether it's small churches, big conferences, massive stages, and like we just talked about, you are a, a person of faith and passion. And and I, this is my perspective. When I when I think about Isaiah, I think a man that is absolutely steadfastly mm. grounded in what he believes thank you like he's bam this and he's just saying it boldly like yeah. no fear of man yeah so these are all the things that i see maybe other people see people probably view you differently but it all just looks like powerful man of god being used by god in mighty ways reaching millions of people it's incredible and so 
for a young person or any person for that matter, seeing you thinking, man, I wonder if God could ever use me. Mm. I wonder, I feel like a call to preach, right? Or whether it's online or in person or just to be used by God. But I just don't know if I'm, I'm not like Isaiah. I'm not like that all the time. My, his life must just be absolutely perfect. Yeah. So either your life is absolutely perfect and always has been, or you've been through some things in your life that have made you to be the person that you are and to have the platform that God has allowed you to have. Yeah. And so I want to ask you about a time in your life where you've experienced pain, struggle, difficulty, the making of the man that we see now, that millions of people see now, what it? What are the things that we didn't see? Yeah, that brought you to this place. I, I want to touch on that. What you said about just the passionate going after God. Like I've been just laser beam focused, as we talked about. But for those watching, I was the most unqualified. I was the most guy. I was an atheist. I was the guy no one thought would ever be anything. No one thought would serve God. Had this radical encounter in 2011 where I heard the audible voice of God, where God's voice, mind you, if you're an atheist and God says your name, you first thing is 7 billion people and God knows my name and God called me by name, says okay. Isaiah. So you say audible. Audible. You mean audible. audible. Not like, oh, I was full of the Holy Spirit. I was cussing like, at God. I, I felt... No, you were cussing. At I, God. I was at the altar. I said, God, I don't because I didn't think there was a God. So I was throwing all my chips in going, what does it matter? God, I don't effing believe. Wait, in how old were you? I was 19, about to turn 20. You're 19. Yeah, you're, I'm getting hired as a deputy sheriff. Yeah, you're was, living in the world. Yes, fully okay. living pretty much with the girl I was with going to marry. I was with her for four years. I was full time graduating college. I graduated high school at 16, was graduating college at 19, was getting hired as a deputy sheriff, just fully out in the world, drinking almost every single day. Every other word was the F word. Dude, I had the dirtiest mouth. Now people know like I'm hard against like worldly movies and worldly music and drinking and <laughs> yeah, smoking. Yeah, you're a teetotaler, dude, bro. <laughs> I had every other word was the F word. I was like, my ungodly friends were like, dude, something's wrong with you because I would talk so dirty. I feel okay, like- Okay, before we move on, I got to ask yeah. you about this then because people have different reasons for what they do. Yeah. Why Why were you living like that? Was it just because, screw, like, be, because who cares? Why not? Yeah. Or were you- Zero conviction. Zero so I grew up in church. At 16, I decided I was going to be an atheist and I was not oh, going to serve okay, God. Okay, so you did grow up, you yes, grew up in church. raised in and church. And then you decided I'm yes. going to be an atheist. Because okay. I was like, I, God's not real. I thought Christians smelled funny. They look weird. And I thought, maybe <laughs> when I'm 30, I'll go back to church. Or maybe in 20 years, I'll sleep around, do all that. And then when I'm older, I'll go back to church. And I didn't see the power of God. I didn't have the Holy Spirit conviction. I didn't I have, never encountered the Holy Spirit, never was baptized in the Holy Spirit, never saw the power and the presence of God. And so, so you tasted church, but not, yes, not raised in church, God. but not raised in Christ. I was okay. raised in a building, okay. but not, okay. not no Holy Spirit, no power of God. So you had a moment where you, you actually said to yourself, I'm going to be an atheist. Now. Yes. I was, so I was, which is, I, I know people are going to cringe, but I don't think there's any such thing as an atheist. I was such a bad, I mean, I just <laughs> thought God, maybe agnostic, like maybe God's a billion miles away with a lightning bolt ready to throw it at the earth at some point, but there's no way God's involved with any of this, any of the anxiety, the depression. I saw friends commit suicide. I was in a metal band. So I was, I was literally leading demonic worship for years. I was in a metal band. I was the youngest guy in the band traveling. We got invited to do one of the biggest tours, getting signed with the artery foundation, which at the time had the biggest metal bands. And I was partying. I was drinking. I was just lost like demonic metal music, like screaming, just hardcore dancing, getting in fights, getting knocked out of the show, all that type of stuff. Well, at the time of being in the band, I was 
really like, I don't really want to dr party drugs, all that. Cause I want to be like a leader. I've always wanted to be a leader. So really? if, yeah, if everybody was drinking, I wasn't going to, if everybody wasn't drinking, I wanted to, the moment I left the metal band to really pursue college and take my law enforcement serious, which is why I wasn't involved in drugs, but I, w I started drinking heavily, partying heavily because now that I was out of the metal scene and the traveling in the band on stages, big, some of, some more big stages, you know, thousand, 2000 people, which was big for a band like ours. Yeah. I was like, now that no one's drinking and partying around me, I want to drink and party because I want to do and be a leader, whatever. I want to do what no one else is doing, which mind you is amazing if you're a Christian because you walk in holiness, which is to be set apart. Right. But I was already trying to live holy for the devil. I was trying to be set apart for the devil and do what he wanted me to do. So it led through a turn of events where I was just broken. Like a couple months before I got saved, I'm 13th floor of a balcony, wasted, and a voice tells me, jump off the balcony. And I, I didn't really had a demonic encounter. This is only a few months before I'm saved. And I'm laying there like, what? And I got to a point where, not suicidal at the time, not, I've never wanted to be a suicidal because my parents taught me, if you commit suicide, you go to hell. And so I was like, even if there's a 1% chance, there's a hell, which I didn't think there was, I'm like, I don't want to go there. Right. So I never was suicidal, just to preface that for the audience. But I'm over the balcony, 13 floors, and this voice keeps saying, jump jump no one cares about you just jump it's not gonna matter it was a demon now i know i didn't yeah, know it was a demon know. i'm hearing this voice and i had in my mind craig i was like i think i want to jump and it was it's so morbid to say but something made me want to jump off that balcony wow. like i wanted to and it wasn't like depression no so no it wasn't like at all literally a voice it was a voice Convincing. and i was really drunk my girlfriend was asleep i was in this hotel party we had a wedding and I was like, man, there's this weird. So I'm on the balcony for what felt like for a year, but it was really like a couple minutes. And then this other voice, I heard another voice be like, go lay down, go lay down, go lay down. And I'm fighting these two voices, but there's this weird desire to jump. But I know, I know, I don't want to kill myself. I'm literally about to get a dream job. I graduated, graduated college at 19. I'm everything straight A's, good job, nice car. Like I was that guy that was just driven. But then there was something trying to destroy my life. And so I went, lay yeah. down, woke up, was like, was that a fever dream? It was just so crazy. A couple months later, my little sister for six months had been begging me to go to church. I'm like, I don't want to go to church. Church is lame. There's, I walked through the foot of that church, January 12th, 2011. And I told my girlfriend, this will be the only time we ever go. We'll never come back. And I told myself, walking through the door of the church, this will be the last time I ever come to church. I literally told myself that. Ever. And that was the night, dude, where I felt something pull my shirt to the altar. I went to the altar. You literally, literally felt, felt something pulling altar. me. Dude, like and as if you grabbed me. Like I didn't want to, but I was like, something's drawing me. I went up there. I said, God, I'm not going to pray the sinner's prayer because I grew up, you know, sleep around, pray the sinner's prayer, drink, pray the sinner's prayer. I prayed it like it was just a little pull out of my back pocket. Jesus yeah. come in my heart so I don't go to hell. Like I was, yeah. my whole life I did that. I went to the altar and I said, I'm not praying the sinner's prayer. I've done that my whole life. I've been to the altar. I'm, I was, you know, I haven't been to church in years. Now it was almost four years, but I was raised in church, went to all the choir, the fire, all the purity. <laughs> I had the little card that says, you know, I won't sleep with anybody. I had the purity ring. Yeah. And uh, I had done all that when I was a kid. Uh. So now I'm here going, God, I don't effing believe in you because that's all I knew. It was the, man, I get emotional talking about it. It was the lowest, it was the highest praise from the lowest place saying, God, I don't effing believe in you. I don't have the words. I don't know the professional. And that's why people listening that think God can't use me. I am telling you, if there's anybody that God can use, it's you. I was the least likely, the farthest. My question was like, why me? Why me? And I'll tell you why in a second. So I hear audible voice. Isaiah, I don't, I don't want. So most people hear God, I love you. Come to me. That is not the way God came to me. God literally came to me and said, Isaiah, I don't want 99.9% .9 of you. And I, I think about like the rich young ruler, how we're begging people to serve God. And Jesus is like, 
Oh no, you're not worthy to follow me. I'm not here begging. Jesus never got up and said, please come follow me. He did the opposite. He would tell people, eat my flesh, drink my blood. Thousands would leave. And then there was 12 left and he goes, oh, by the way, you guys gonna leave too? And then Peter responds with, where would we go? We've left everything. We've done it all. We've done yeah. the partying, the drinking, the drugs. You are the one that has the words of eternal life. In other words, Peter was saying, you're the only man that when you speak, I feel alive for the first time in my life. And that was that moment where I'm going like, if you're real, I was just throwing a Hail Mary going, if there's any God out there, I don't know if it's going to be Buddha, Muhammad, Allah, God. I don't know. I just, if there's anything out there, because I remember laying in bed but at you night. you weren't really doing that. You weren't like, God, if you're there, you said, I don't I, yeah. believe in I was in testing you. God. I was, I, but in, yeah, yeah. in the deepest part oh, I of see, me, I see, dude, I see. It was, it was a, it was a I wanted so badly. Like an angry place. Yes. I wanted okay. so badly for God to be real. Okay. I wanted so badly for, cause I would spend night after night laying in bed going, there has to be more as an atheist, dude, you're so empty. It's you just die and you soul sleep. There's nothing I'm like I wanted so badly for someone to be like, you're, you're empty. You're broken. I see it. You're the ma you're wearing a mask because I was. I had a secret life of partying, drinking, no one knew about, and I was empty. I was broken. I was laying in bed, going, "There has to be more to life." But God, God was a billion miles away. He wasn't. I had no plan. Right. So in that anger, yeah, it was anger, but it was like it was a hail mary to go. If there's anything out there, God, this is what I said. I don't effing believe in you. But and this is what's so weird is I didn't know to do this, but obviously something told me to do this. I was like, if you're real, I'll give you everything. I'll let I even said this. I'll break up with my girlfriend. I was with her for four years. I'll leave my job in law enforcement, my dream job. I'll move out of state. I'll travel the world. I don't even know what I'm saying. I'm just making all these claims. If you're real, I don't have to believe you, but I'll do anything. It just just prove something. And then that's when the audible voice, not an inward, not full of the Holy Spirit, inwardly, you know, whisper. I felt like, no, I, I felt like someone, like a thousand people were yelling at one time. And the Bible does say God's voice is the voice of the multitudes. But I just heard this voice say, I don't want 99.9% .9 of you. I want everything, literally everything. I want you to lay down this and starts going to list. And then I go into like a vision or a trance, whatever you want to call it. I see a bright light and I'm having this crazy encounter with God. And I see myself preaching before millions of people. I see myself and God says, I'm going to use you to preach my gospel throughout the nations and starts giving me this download. I, you and then it gets crazier. I kind of like come to not wake up, but I come to my, like I'm back in my body. I'm speaking in a language. I don't know. No. I'm like, dude, I'm like, what is this babble? Now I want to make something very transparent. I had heard tongues one time in my entire life. And which is weird is I had a vivid memory from like six years old of my parents praying in tongues at like five, I was five or six. And I have this weird memory of like sitting on the couch and my mom and dad pacing, praying in this unknown language. So now here I am, dude, I'm praying. My girlfriend's now next to me. I'm like in my body now going, praying in, in tongues, covering my mouth going, what is going on? Cause I don't want her to hear. I'm like, this is, I don't even know what I'm doing. I didn't ask for it. And those that say like tongues is demonic. I didn't want it. I didn't pray. Give me tongues. I was just come to my body, speaking in tongues, trying to cover my mouth. Then dirt starts coming out of my eyes and I'm rubbing my eyes. I'm like, my eyes are itching. What is going on? I look down. This is going to strike unbelief, but it's okay. People don't believe it. It's my story. And dirt is literally in my hands. Like dirt's coming out of my eyes. And mind you, I was addicted to porn since I was 11 years old. I was with this one girl, but sleeping around. I was bad. I looked at women like walking, like meat with legs. I was just that guy, like sexualized women. Just, I was terrible. I was racist. I was angry. I was all everything you think of. And now dirt's coming to my eyes. Well, while this is happening, the preacher's on stage. There's about 500 people at the altar. This is a massive church, probably seats like 3000. The preacher goes, 
looking around, right? There's 500 people. There's a young man here and God says the dirty scales are being removed. God no. is, yes, as it's happening to me, dude, the dirty scales are being removed. God's removing the scales off me right now. <laughs> I'm crying. And then I cry and I say, Lord, I don't know how to pray. I don't know. And this is why those listening are like, you never struggle. I didn't know anything. I said, I don't know how to pray. I don't know how to preach. How am I going to do this? I'm, I was an atheist 30 seconds ago. Like how you want me to preach. And I'm kind of getting like frustrated. Like you want me to preach and travel and give up everything. I don't even know. A, and I even said, I don't even know any pastors. How am I going to travel and preach? And the Lord said, I'll teach you to pray. And then he said this, pray audibly still pray one hour a day. That was the only thing he said to do. That was my commission. As he's saying that to me, which I'm like, dude, I'm, I, I didn't, what am I, what is going on? I'm just shook. As he says that, the preacher says, I hear the Lord saying, he's calling you to pray one hour a day. Just like the disciples couldn't pray for one hour, they fell asleep. God says, you're going to pray for that one hour. And if you're going to commit to one hour prayer, raise your hand. And I'm like, as God's speaking to me, no. the pastor's confirming the word. So I can't yeah. deny it. Yeah. So I'm crying. Yeah, yeah. And up to this point, I want to preface, I have not cried for 10 years. I was like I said, hard-hearted. I couldn't cry. I had friends commit suicide. Grandparents die. Animals die. I literally couldn't cry. Everyone knew Isaiah doesn't cry. 10 years, I didn't cry. This was the first time in a decade that I was crying. And not only and that crying, dirt's coming, dirt's coming out. So I come to you, I'm like rubbing my face, rubbing my eyes. Like, I don't know what's going on. And my sister's like, are you okay? She's the one that begged me to come to church for six months. Are you okay? And I'm like, where am I? I don't, the colors are different. The people, I don't recognize nobody. Everything's blurry. And I'm like, I was literally born again. Like a baby comes in the world and is like looking around. You know, the baby has the big eyes when they're born and they're looking around like, whoa, I was born again. I go home. I stay up all night. I wake up the next day. I'm go Wait, your sister brought you. Yeah. But your girlfriend was there. Yes. Did you immediately break up with her? Dude, I, no, not immediately. So I get home. The Lord says, break up with your girlfriend. Get rid of all your video games. I had 40,000 songs on my iTunes because I was big into music. I pirated music, pirated DVDs. I did all that. I was a nerd. Deleted 40,000 songs. No one told me to. Deleted 40,000 songs off my my laptop and my iPod. Del broke every video game. I went home and did this. I didn't even know. Got rid of my television, everything. Broke up with the girl I was with. Think about how crazy this is. I'm with this girl four years living with her, right? Pretty much. Like I'm going to her house, staying for four or five days. She lived a, up in a college, I won't say, but I would go live up there, come home, go live up there. I break up with her through a text message, which is like, that's the number one rule you don't ever do. To this day, four-year relationship, I've never talked to her since. I broke up with her saying, God told me I need to find myself. I don't know who I am. I can't be with you. I need to serve God. And God told me, he said, if you don't break up with her, everything I showed you will not happen. The millions of people you're going to reach, all that I'm doing now, I saw everything I'm doing now, I saw 12 years ago in a vision. And God said, if you don't break up with this girl, None of that's going to happen. So I break up with her. I'm not eating. You've never talked to her never since. since. Never. I talked to her mom, but I've never talked to her since. So we break up. We're going to get married. Like it wasn't, her mom called me son. Like it wasn't like a little, this right. was four years right. Right. all through high school. Like, and then of course I was terrible. We we're breaking up. Now I'd go, we'd get back. It was a bad relationship, but it was still a long relationship. So I'm not sleeping. I'm talking about book of Acts, Re Revelation, everything. I don't even know. I would open the Bible, start shaking, crying, and close it because I was like, it's alive. Like, dude, the reality of God. My family didn't know what to do with me. They couldn't even take me out because I was trying to prophesy over everybody. I was just literally lost my mind and got the mind of Christ. So I'm the next day now driving to college in my you know Honda Civic Type R, 410s in the back, lowered, souped <laughs> up. Like, I thought it was so cool. Red powder-coated rims. Like, I had it all souped up. I'm driving. I pull over on the side of the road and I'm just hysterically crying. And I'm looking, bro, check this out. I'm looking at the sun like I've never seen the sun before. I go, I'm on the side of the freeway looking at the grass <laughs> on the freeway going like, this is like, 
I'm born again. This is like the <laughs> first time I've ever seen anything. I literally had a born again experience where Isaiah died. And this guy, I don't even know who I am. I'm crying. I'm crying looking at a butterfly going, oh, it's so beautiful. God's creation. So I get to college. I'm going, seeing angels everywhere, seeing demons everywhere. Like the supernatural realm was opened up to me. I'm getting words of knowledge, which mind you, I didn't know. First Corinthians 12 talks about right, that. You don't even know what that is. I don't know anything. I, happening. I thought I was a psychic. You didn't. I'm like, dude, I woke up a psychic because <sighs> I'm sitting in class and I was a total teacher's pet straight A's. I think I got one B in all of college, right? I'm sitting next to this guy hearing, getting a download for him about his past, what he's been through. And I was like, did you say something? He's like, no. I'm like, I'm hearing about when you were this age. I'm reading his mail and he starts crying. He's like, who told you that? I'm like, dude, I don't know. I got to go. So I told my teacher, I was like, I'm so sorry. I have to go. I'm hearing voices. I'm hearing download of people in class. I'm getting prophetic words. No, dude, God opened up the spiritual realm to me. So I go home. I'm like, mom and dad, I don't know what to do. Well, my uncle had been in ministry for almost like 30 something years. He was at a conference in New York. My mom called him. You need Nino. He was my Nino. He lived across the street from me. You need to get home. Something happened to Isaiah. We don't know what to do with him. He can't leave the house. He's literally prophesying over the squirrels, the dogs, the cats. Like I was just, just 15 hours straight talking. I didn't slept either. My mom's like, you're going to die. And I just wouldn't sleep. Three days go by where I don't sleep, which is, you could die from that. Don't do that. I didn't sleep. I didn't eat for two weeks. My mom would, my mom would literally dude, and I'm skipping a lot, but for the sake of time, cause I want to get to what we're supposed to be talking about. But this is good. <laughs> my mom would put food in front of me. I'm not kidding. She got one day cause I wasn't eating. It was like five days of not eating. She put a cheeseburger from in and out in front of me. And I literally was like, man shall not live by bread alone, but every word that proceeds out of his mouth, my food is doing the will of father. I, I literally convinced myself I'd never eat again. I was so on fire. I was just like, dude. How did you know the scriptures? I didn't. Is it? Everything's being supernaturally dude, downloaded? Downloaded. My uncle would sit there and go, who told you that? That was his famous line. I would talk for 20 hours straight and he'd go, who told you that? Who told you about that? Who told you about the dragon? Who told you about the forehead? Who told you about the fivefold ministry? Who told you about the apostolic and the prophet and the prophetic and the teacher and the path? I'm like, uncle, I would, Nino is his godfather and you know we're Hispanic. I said, Nino, God, God is telling me. I would literally, for three months, people like, how do you know how to preach without notes? Because I've never used notes when I preach for 12 years. And I'll preach two hours without notes. I, for three months, would wake up standing up in my room, preaching full sermons. I literally learned to preach in the middle of the night. The Holy Spirit would teach me. And it sounds crazy. And it is crazy. Like, I think it sounds crazy. Looking back, I'm like, I have a journal in my office of all of this. It's so hard to believe. I go back in my journal and I'm like, this is real. So long story short, bro, you have my uncle one of gets, the most bro, ridiculous it's stories. Insane. That I've my ever uncle heard. gets home and says, okay, I, I tell him for 15 hours straight, everything going on. I'm this, I'm seeing angels, demons. Nico's going to get saved. My sister's who's in college in Santa Barbara is going to get saved. My brother, who's like the biggest drug dealer, terrible. Like, dude, you, this guy, there's no shot. He's getting saved. And I'm like, Nico's getting saved. Sunshine's getting saved. Cherish got my dad, my mom. I'm like mapping out how everyone's going to get saved. The counters, words of knowledge. This is going to happen in one hour and it would happen. And like God was just downloading all this stuff. And my uncle says, okay, okay, okay. What do you want to do? And I'm like, let's just pray. Let's just pray at my house. So I was at the time throwing these big parties. Like I was the guy coordinating these big time parties. Well, now everyone's hitting me up like, dude, where's the party? What happened to you? We heard you encountered God. And I was like, come over to my house and see there's something going on. They would drive up thinking it's a party because it's packed out with cars and people. And we were having prayer meetings, dude. It started with just a prayer meeting and Sure enough, dude, it was first night, 40 people came. Where did you come from? Oh, we heard this young guy had an encounter because it was like kind of word around town, 70,000 people. So it was a small town and I was pretty known from the band. 
word got around that I encountered God. God came to me audibly. And so everyone was like, let me come see this guy, right? Yeah, see if it's for real. Yes, and my friends, dude, that I was drinking with, partying with, talking dirty, they were like, dude, you're different. You're not, you don't look the same. You don't talk. My sister I hadn't seen for six months came into my house. Six months I hadn't seen her. Looked at me, started crying and said, where's my brother? Where's my brother? You're not Isaiah. You don't look the same. You don't talk the same. You don't act the same. She cried, ran across the street to my uncle's house. Who would you guys do with Isaiah? Where is he? And my uncle said, that's the real Isaiah. The other guy you grew up with for 19 years, that was an imposter. That was the devil's version. That's your brother. And my sister came home. Dude, she was at a five-hour drive from Santa Barbara. I told her this. I said, Sunshine, if I tell you, I didn't know anything about her life. I didn't talk to her in months. I said, if I tell you everyone that was in the car with you, what you guys talked about, what their names were, what the last six months of your life would be, if God tells me and I tell you, will you believe in God? She's like, yeah, absolutely. Bro, for like eight hours straight, I told her everyone in that car, all the six months, God downloaded all these words of knowledge. It was insane. <laughs> and then it gets crazier. I said, okay, to prove to you God is real, because she didn't believe in God and all that. I said, to prove to you God is real, tomorrow we're going to a conference and I'm going to tell you, because God has already told me what the preacher is going to preach and the illustrations he's going to use. And I said, and we go to that conference, if that preacher gets up, and preaches what I'm about to tell you is going to preach from, will you fully surrender your life to God? She said, absolutely. There's no way you can know what that guy's going to preach. It was Banning Liebscher preaching at that. No! Yes, Banning Liebscher, 2011. No. I told her he's going to preach about laying everything down, surrendering. I gave her the text. I said, Annie's going to use an illustration about jumping off and di like uh, cliff diving, like jumping from a high cliff into water and like going past the point of no return. I gave her the analogy. She's like, all right, whatever. I'll never, I get chills talking about, I'll never get this. We're sitting at the ammo conference in Modesto, California, 2011. Banning Liebscher gets, gets up. I'm looking at my sister. She's like four people down. Mind you, she was like very intellectual. She's a lawyer now. Like you're not going to convince her of God. Like she has to really experience it. And he gets up and says, I'm going to talk about today. Jesus coming and telling his disciples, these men to surrender everything and lay it all down. Right. She, I look over her. He goes, I want to use this illustration. I was cliff diving and reading a couple weeks back. He said, you know, when you're standing there above the water, it's not fun. It's not fun to stand there. It's It doesn't get fun until you step past the point of no return and go all in. No one has fun just standing on the edge. The fun, and I look over her, dude, and I'm crying. She's bawling. That night, she went up there, got full of the Holy Spirit, gave her life to God. All of that to say, that happened with my sister, my brother, my parents, my uncles. I could name a story for four hours here. Every single person had one of these crazy I moments. Dude. <laughs> We're going to hit pause and he's just going to prophesy over me <laughs> Dude, for the next four hours <laughs> of, of what God did. But I was, that's, that was my start. It was not, it was like raw, radical. So it went from 100 people, 200 people. Yeah. Yeah. We got to get I, into it. it. Three, so, four, 500 people. Show this is house. one of the most radical stories ever. So God starts bringing people to your house, yes. prayer meeting. You, you're praying, you start preaching yep. and people start filling your house. Yes. People were filling. How often? Dude, every week we were meeting. But the crazy part week. was the presence of God was coming so strong. People were in my, would li I kid you not, you could ask family members, you could look at my journal, I could show you after. People were parking in my driveway and they would sit there and cry and pray and I'd come out and say, what are you doing here? The service isn't until tomorrow. They'd be like, the presence of God is here. I feel his presence. I can't feel it anywhere but here. So my driveway had cars in it all the time. Are you serious? Of people praying. Yeah, my parents are drug addicts. They're, I got saved here and I want to come here pray. So we'd have meetings at like 7 p.m. To get into the house, you had to get there by like noon. 
So people are in at lined up outside my house at like noon. We don't start till like six or seven just to get a spot in the house. If you showed up at like five, you were outside looking through the windows, which is a video I showed you. You have to be outside. It was just crazy. So then Rick Joyner heard about it, a morning star, and was like, I'm doing a conference with Reinhard Bonnke. I didn't know who Reinhard Bonnke was. I didn't know who he was until like 10 minutes before I met him. I had to look him up and was like, saw 7 million people, You're all like, of that. <laughs> Dude, I never flew. I never did anything. He's like, I want you to come speak at this conference. And I headlined this conference. God TV was there, 40 million viewers. Ever since, my ministry exploded. But it was a year of revival in the house, deliverances, people getting out of wheelchairs. My aunt was born deaf in one ear, got a brand new eardrum. My cousin was deaf. God is hearing back. We had people, demons cast out. Like when people see me deliverance, I didn't like decide I want to be a deliverance guy. My friends I was drinking with, partying with, and sleeping with would walk through the threshold of my door and start, ah, let us go. What do you want from us? Get away from me. Manifesting. Like I learned it on the job. Yeah. It wasn't. Yeah, this is not like some it, academic. Oh, ah. no, no. It was just, just raw. <laughs> and what do you say? Oh, no, that's not real. No, I was like, wait a minute. I told my uncle who's in ministry 30 years and he was really pastoring us. It wasn't just like me, this random guy. I had pastors, leaders helping me and gut and you had disciple a, so me. So you oversight. actually had like yes. some oversight. My uncle really took me under his wing and gave 10 years of his life to me fully traveled with me kept me accountable theologically like all of that and i have a degree a degree i have a four-year bachelor's in theology for those heresy hunters they don't know that i did four years of bible college after oh yeah. after yeah so really? after i got saved i did four years at a uh, like an accelerated learning satellite school at my church so it was like 12 hours 12 hours on saturday 12 hours on sunday oh i'm sorry 12 hours on friday 12 hours on saturday once a month so you get 24 hours which is all the credits you needed like instead of going five hours a week you did all of it done in one weekend and i got a legitimate bachelor's in theology like certified not like a certificate or a coupon for like walmart i got a legitimate <laughs> degree a legitimate theology degree so that was yeah that was after I, I got saved so i do know like theology and all that even though i talk fast and i'm loud i'm a very big student of the word i've always been but my uncle really helped shepherd that because there's a lot of young Beautiful. people that were getting saved and yeah we are part of a local church i've always been a part of a local church since today i got saved till now i've always oh, been so submitted. even when you're doing the house yep the house we're going church, to local church basically you're going to local bro church. i used to roll up to church with 200 people with me i'm not kidding they had an entire because at the time i was at a mega church they had an entire section of like two to three hundred seats just for me and all my friends because because all of my friends were getting saved and we were like we had a big group and so cousins aunts uncles friends we would literally all roll into church this huge group into that church so it was really crazy and then after like two or three years of being at just a local church we ended up becoming like a revival church kind of thing so we did that for almost 10 years went from the house after a year moved to a building then moved to a third building and we're just packing it out with revival and traveling full-time as well with your with your uncle yes he traveled so, me full-time and pastored with me so we co-pastored were you guys was he a particular denomination or anything non-denominational like non yeah so we we preach a lot of assemblies of god the church we were a part of is assemblies of god which is like they a lot of assemblies of god just say they're non-denominational now because but we're our church now and then the revival church is non-denom just full everything we believe okay. it all but so, charismatic pentecostal speaking tongues gifts like full everything yeah so you so this all uh, evolves into you basically being a pastor, yes, leading, helping lead this, yep. this body. This I would church. preach every single week you for ten be. years. I preached every single week. We okay. probably had four guest speakers a year. Okay, so I would preach every week. Yeah. Okay. So now, and the only reason I'm leading the question is because we talked earlier today. Other than that, I knew nothing about this. So this, this is what's bringing us to the point where you're talking about on this show. Yeah. Your struggle. Yeah. All of this has happened in the most ridiculous, supernatural way that yeah. you know I've ever heard. 
And so where's the pain point for you? Yeah. And what took place next? So I'm preaching comfortable, preaching, traveling. I have like maybe say like 20,000, 30,000 followers on Facebook. So I was kind of known, you know, I was preaching at some large events and did a lot of like mainstream stuff with all the big name guys. So I was in the circuit. It wasn't like I was just this random guy that blew up online. I was preaching happy. Every week we had people lined up outside. I was like doing everything that I thought was successful. Then the Lord comes to me in 2019, midway. So probably June, July-ish for give or take, right? A month or two. And says, I want you. And it wasn't that he said, it wasn't like audible, like the 2011, right? Because I've only heard the audible voice of God twice in my life. One time was 2011. And another time I woke up and God said, Jesus is my son. It was audible. So those are the only two times ever. So I don't want people watching this being like, you just hear God all the time. Yeah. I usually hear it a small voice, an mm -hmm. inward thought. Like yeah, I just yeah. know it's the Holy Spirit. Yeah. So I'm getting this nonstop wrestling. Think about how crazy this is. Okay. Again, I'm Six, seven hundred people coming every week, packing it out. I'm traveling. I'm successful in every yeah. aspect of every the word. Every metric that to, any, to ministry. any ministry Yeah, with a, lar a good size online. No videos or anything, but just like I'd post on YouTube, my sermons, whatever, but nothing like explosive. And still booked all year, like getting several hundred invites a year and stuff like that. So here God comes to me and says, I want you to shut down your revival service. That's been going on for almost a decade. Like we did it like too much shy of a decade. I want you to buy cameras build a studio, get microphones, and I want you to live stream, preach to the, on live. Because the millions I showed you were not in person. They were These are digital stadiums. The millions you saw, Isaiah, when you got saved that day, these were people online that you were going to reach. Not You thought it was stadiums. I always thought, yeah. I'm going to get a stadium. And I had people saying, I'll buy you, a, we'll pay for the stadium. And I, I preached at some stadium events, but not like crazy big. But I thought, one day I'll be in a stadium because that's the end goal, right? Yeah. God's like, no. Because that's what I saw. No, you're going to, yes, no. You're talking, we're going to reach digital stadiums. So I'm wrestling. Why? Because my uncle, who's given his life for me, literally laid everything down. He's full-time with me. Never got paid a dollar to this day. He's never gotten a dime from the ministry. I'm not on salary. God told me don't take a salary because I'm traveling, making an income. I'm full-time pastoring this church with 70 people on my staff, which are like volunteers, but they're like my leaders. So I had 70 leaders I met with every Monday night. So it was like a good size. It was like a little tiny church. And we're meeting every week. We meet for Sunday night. We have house groups and prayer nights, Sunday in houses. Monday, we have leadership meeting and prayer for three, four hours. Our whole ministry has always been about prayer. Tuesday, we have a full-on revival service. So that's three nights a week. God's telling me, shut all of that down, reduce your traveling, and I want you to go online. And I'm like, what? So for three months, dude, I know I'm being disobedient by not doing what God's telling me to do. But what am I going to, what am I going to tell people? Yeah. This is the hardest thing I'm ever going to have to do. Pre-COVID, pre everybody. Pre-COVID. Before everybody's online. Yeah. 2019. Like, how crazy does this sound? 2019. So I go to my uncle. I'm like, dude, I'll never forget this. I was in my office. I called him. My, I'm sick to my stomach, dude. I'm like, I can't sleep at night. I'm praying, going, God, I know you want to do this, but... This is the hardest thing you've ever asked me to do since I've been saved because this is like I'm comfortable with just doing what I'm doing. I'm on autopilot, right? I know how to preach. I know all the stuff, right? I've everything. And I call my uncle. I'm pacing. I'm sick to my stomach. I'm like, Nino, I know you've given your life for this. I know. I said, I know this is going to sound crazy, but God is telling me we need to shut down the church services. We need to stop to lower the traveling and we need to go online and do live streaming and reach people. And he's like, Isaiah. You're not going to believe this. For the last three months, it was it was identical timings. God, ha I've been wrestling. He said, I didn't know how to tell you. I was like, I didn't know how to tell you. He said, no. God's been telling me, Isaiah needs to do this. He needs to go online. He needs to post videos. And I'm like, this is all out of my element. It's uncomfortable. I don't want to do it. And I want to remind people, I still don't want to do it. Like, 
I have to force myself to go live. People see me, you know, you had 10,000 people on your live and you had this big event, but they don't see the background. They don't see the struggle. They don't see the anxiety or the discouragement or the, I'm off a stage with 5,000 people all shouting. That was the greatest thing ever. And I'm like, man, was that even, was that even good? Or am I even like, I don't even know how to preach like these guys, like the insecurities and the doubt in my own, in my own self. So these words that you're using are not the, not the, not the words that yeah, that somebody would guess. No, I I don't, I don't, I don't think of Isaiah and think discouragement. Yeah. Insecurity. So what do you mean? Like, cause everything, the way you come off is confidence. I know exactly what I believe. I know yeah. I'm saying it, and I'm saying it intense, and I'm calling out this and that and the other thing. So, so if that's if if any of that was was real in you, t- take a can you take us a little deeper into that? Yeah. So and, and what? So for me, when the anointing comes over me, like when we're podcasting, yeah. when I'm live, when I'm preaching, I'm a completely different person in the sense that I have that boldness, yeah. that passion. The word comes alive. My memory, all everything's sharp. When I'm not under that anointing and I'm off the stage or I'm done with my stream or you know what it is when you come out 100%. of the anointing, I'm I'm a normal guy. I'm a normal person that's like, oh, my socks aren't clean. Oh, like I have those same struggles of discouragement and imposter syndrome going, am I a faker? Like, am I, I'm doing all this stuff, but is it really what God, am I really whoever I think? So I, I, I have that, that same insecurity, that same doubt, that unbelief in myself, never in God. I'm always bold in God. I'm always solid with God. It's not no sin, no secret sin. It's just the man, when you reach this many people, you get to a place where you're like, am I really what they say? Like I, I don't, I don't ever want to buy my own press. You have all these people lined up saying you're the greatest, you're this, and it's like, am I though? Am I really? And I've tried to live my life where I treat criticism and praise the same, and that's I don't give neither of them a, too much attention. So I don't give criticism a lot of attention. I don't get praise a lot of attention. And at the end of the day, I feel like you know in Amos, there's a portion where Amos is preaching judgment, and I could relate to this because I'm always trying to preach like your best life now, and God's always having me preach judgment. And the priest, <laughs> the priest Amaziah comes up. I think that's how you say his name. Comes up to Amos and says, "Dude, go away. Stop preaching. All you preach is judgment." All you preach is condemnation. You're too radical. And I'm, I'm, you know, obviously I'm going off here. Right. You're too bold. You're this telling, discouraging Amos. Amos response is this, dude, I didn't want, I was tending to the fig trees. Your God came to me and said, go preach to my people. So when religious people come to me, I'm like, dude, I was an atheist. I didn't want to do this. I have, and I want to make this clear. Wow. Zero desire to be on a stage zero like you see numbers likes it does nothing for me it doesn't move me it does, i don't get no pleasure of the numbers and the crowds and the thousands of people screaming my name and lining up and oh could we get a picture surrounding the car when like they act like i'm this celebrity and i'm not i'm like lord i just want to be a servant i just want to be a son it's whatever you call me to do i'm just living out the call that god's placed in my life so i just said okay we're going to sell everything and buy the field i'm going to get rid of everything again this is a back to 2011 where I have to get uncomfortable. I have to get rid of all of it. My name, my reputation, because I already know my friends are going to call me crazy. Yeah. I already know the church people are going, oh, how could you stop your service? And that's not yeah, God. Yeah, isn't and, that disobedient? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, like Don't God would ask you assembling. to stop. Yep. Right. So I got in front of my team. But, oh, no, that was your church at the time. Yeah, yeah. So I'm the senior pastor. I'm the senior pastor of the church. Me and my uncle are both the senior pastors. We're the co- yeah. we co-pastor. But we're like the senior leaders. Okay, so, yeah, so... God asked you to do something that sounds insane to you and everybody else. Yeah. Oh, I thought it was insane. And so you you do it, and then you 
you do face discouragement on the inside. Yeah. It, it's like, it's these coexisting realities where the anointing comes. Yeah. And there's boldness and there's confidence and there should be. But there's also at the same time, it's not like one or the other. Yeah. It's not like, well, are, are you anointed or are yeah. you discour face discouragement? It's like the, their intention. Yeah. So you're feeling that sometimes insecurity, sometimes discouragement, sometimes it's just amazing. So at what point did you guys, did you start, you're like, I still need to value the local. Yeah. Okay. So I get in front of my team, 70 people that have given everything for the church, given, I don't mean give everything. I mean like they're there three, four times a week doing whatever. We're feeding the poor. We're doing all that stuff. Full cylinders, running hard. And like, we're radical, bro. We're like, you have to give every, you can't be watching me. You can't be like, if you want to be a part of this church, we're on fire. Like we're yeah. going hard four hours of prayer, like multiple times a week. You have to be there. 24 hour prayer meetings. You know, we do read the, we did this thing where we sit down and read the whole new Testament in one sitting. It was like 14, 15 hours. We'd gather together. No. Bro, I did that three or four times. I did it on stream before actually. I did it on a live. I, you did? The title was this live stream doesn't end until I finish the new Testament. And I read the entire new Testament in one sitting out loud on live. It was like 13 hour stream or something, but we were like, we're radical, right? Like when I say, I don't want people to think like, Oh, it's no big deal. It was a huge deal. I got in front. I said, guys, this is going to sound crazy. I think it's crazy as well, but this is what we're doing. If you want to go find a new church, you can. If you want to be part of something else, you can. We're going to meet in this living room and live stream it and call it the living room. This was before the whole pandemic happened. And you can be a part of that, but I encourage all of you. And I'm here just literally cannibalizing my own church. I'm telling my people, go find a new church if you want. Go be a part of another local church. I'm now part of a, another local church because I knew I had to I had to give this everything. I had to go all in for this. I couldn't go halfway. If I'm gonna do this, I gotta go hard. I gotta do it hard. So, I kid you not, I start spending hundreds of hours. I'm talking like 12 hours a day, learning about algorithms and SEO and titles and searches and tagging and you know average watch time view durations and how to do TikTok and Instagram and Facebook and YouTube and how to go live and how to use OBS and overlays. I'm learning everything because I'm thinking, God told me to do this. Like if you're watching this and you're halfway in your ministry, I don't know if God called you to it. If God of the universe says, I want you to do this, like shouldn't we sell every, I mean, look at this studio. You literally said, I'm going to give a month of my life. I'm going to build a studio in my RV and we're going to go. We bought a camper and we dude, don't camp. In an RV, right? Like I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to buy the field. That's yeah. my famous line. Like I'm yeah. going to buy the field. I'm selling it all. Yeah. I found the pearl. I don't need to search anymore. So I tell, I announced this lot to all, everybody followed me. Like, but one thing I want to, one thing I yeah, want to yeah, point it. out though is the things, it's not always because like, oh, I love that. Yeah. It's because God told you to. Obedience. Right. Is better yeah, than sacrifice. Exactly. So yeah. And going. that was me. That was me. I was like, Lord, you told me to preach and you, you're telling me to do online now. So again, yeah. I want people, It wasn't just like this, like, oh, I could get oh, no. X amount of money. Oh, no. I can reach it. It was just simply like God said, do this and not do this. And that's what I have to Absolutely. do. Absolutely. And it was inadvertently an answer to prayer because I have four girls. I want to be home with my kids. I'm a homebody. Like my happy place is with my kids. And I'm not one of those dads that's just like, hey kids, I'm changing diapers. I'm vacuuming. I'm with my kids 24 seven. Like I'm a very involved dad. And I, I could with pride say that. Like I'll never put my family on the altar of ministry. Like I'll never sacrifice them on the altar of ministry. So I'm that kind of guy. I didn't want to travel. I was only traveling hundred thousand miles a year because God told me to. So I would, this was actually, I didn't know this, but in answer to prayer saying, God, how could I get this message of revival out while be home, being home with my kids? Duh, online. I didn't realize that at the time. This is all just obeying God. <laughs> so we tell the church, people are like, 
you're crazy. What? And I was like, yeah, I know I am. What we tell the guy that we're leasing the building from, hey, we're not going to be meeting here. Like, why? There's literally hundreds of people. Pastors would give a kidney to have what you have. Yeah. We start going online. Uh, we launch at the end of 2019. I Again, friends calling me. I'm at this prophetic conference in 2019. They say, what's the word of the Lord? Everyone was prophesying, and I don't want to name names. I do all the time, but I shouldn't. But all these big prophets were there. They were like, 2020 will be the year of vision. 2020 will be the year of all this, right? <laughs> 2020 yeah. vision. Yeah, yeah that's it's 2019. Slogan. And so all I had, I didn't, I didn't prophesy the pandemic, just to be clear. But this is what I had. God said, get up there and prophesy. It'll be the year of internet revival and living room revival. I posted online in 2019, like in October, I think. And you guys can go back and receipts are all there. I say, I believe this is going to be the year of internet and living room. Those are the worst two things you can say to a mega church. This building seats, I think like 6,000 is a massive mega church. I used to go there every year for a credit conference and, and speak. These are the two things the mega church hates. They don't want you at home and they don't want you online because then you don't need to be there. They're like, that threatens us. So the pastor, who's a good friend, was like, you know, I knew he was like, you missed it. You know, I knew he was thinking like, that wasn't the word of the Lord. Everyone's prophesying like, blessing. This will be your double portion. I'm like, wasn't that last year? But it's like, every year is the year. This is your year of breakthrough. This is your year of the oil's full and the show for the year of the shofar. This is the Hebrew letter upside down sideways. You know, I'm like... So I just had a very simple word, which I, I have it on video. He's like, I rebuke you. I don't want them yeah. in the living room. Yeah. So I launched, dude, January 1st, and I was sick to my stomach. When I go stream on Facebook, I was like, Lord, I don't want to do this. I'm awkward. I, it's on my YouTube. Like, welcome, guys, to the episode one of the Revival Lifestyle Podcast. Like, I'm, I'm literally just no passion, no movement. I didn't know. I'm looking at a camera. Like, I'm used to preaching to a massive uh, or crowd. Not even massive, but just a people, like real people. Yeah. Like, I'm used to being in a building. It's or so different. And I'm in front of a camera, and I was uncomfortable, and I was like, I don't want to do this, Lord. I don't, I'm struggling. I'm discouraged. I'm like, I hate even using this word. I, I don't let my kids use this word. But I was like, I suck. Like, I literally just suck at this. Like, I don't want to do this. And God's like, just do it. And sure enough, went from 50 people to 100 to 500. And I'm back to where we were at the house, 600, 700. And then I go over to YouTube. And then, okay, so then I have still some dates booked. It's March now. I'm in the Dallas airport. I have three events in Dallas, pretty large events, or one in Dallas and two other places in Texas. All of a sudden, Donald Trump gets on the news and goes, there's this thing called, uh, we're probably allowed to say at this point, but there's a thing starts with a C, you know, there's this thing happening and we're going to shut everything down and stay at home. This has never been done in history, mind you. And so I go to the lady yeah. American Airlines. She's like, she's like, honey, she's, you know, this big African <laughs> lady. She's like, oh, sweetie, you need to fly home. We're going to shut all these airlines down. So everyone's like pandemonium at the Dallas airport. I just flew five and a half hours and I have another hour flight to layover. Right. And everything's shutting down. So I get home and within literally... I would say a week, a years of booking, a year worth of traveling and booking all of my income, mind you, gone because of this whole thing now. And then me and my wife are in bed. It's late at night. And I was like, honey, wait, I get up and I'm like, this is that. She's like, what do you mean? I'm like, I have chills. Internet and living room revival, honey. Everything's shutting down. Everyone's going to be, oh, this is the word. And bro, I'm like jumping up and down. Did you call the pastor of the mega church? Oh, dude. Hey, bro. No, no, no. They, oh, no. They call, he called me. They yeah. all called me. They oh, all dude. All you. the guys that were talking bad, did you hear what so-and-so said about you? For a couple months, I was a nutcase to all these pastors I was preaching for. And I get it. I was probably thinking the same thing, right? Like you can't, I'd pastors call me like, I'm calling to convince you, you can't shut down. There's no way. And I'm like, I have to, I'm sending these people to another church. Like, I'm not just going to, but I have to do this, what God's calling me to do. Like, and it's like Noah, they're laughing at him. They're mocking him. And he's like, 
there's rain's coming. And they're like, dude, it's never rained. It wasn't just like rain coming. It had never rained right. before. No, it's not like, it's like, what it's is never rain? Been, yeah. What is that? What yeah. are you talking about? And I thought about? the same thing about live streaming. And I was like, I had an idea of how I was going to do it. Sit in front of the camera, the chat on the screen, which no Christian in my knowledge, it could have been, but I had never seen anyone do this where they put the chat on, they talk, they preach, right? Looking at the screen. Like it was something new in my world. I hadn't seen it in my world, right? I saw it in the secular world, but I never saw a Christian do it. So I'm just out of my comfort zone. And then sure enough, weirdly, January, for 12 years, I never had, or 10 years, I never had partners ever in my whole ministry. Everyone said, you need to have monthly partners. I never did. Well, in January, God's like, launch your monthly partners. I didn't know why. I'm like, why? I've never had any. I get my income from traveling. God's like, just do it. I launched it, but I didn't really talk about it, but I had like enough to sustain me because I launched it. And I was like, I don't know why I'm launching this, but God told me to do it after 10 years of not doing it. So when that, everything shut down, my income's gone, completely gone, all my income, because I wasn't getting income from the church. Now I don't even have a church. Now I don't have traveling. But now I have that partnership from January, that little buffer. And all of a sudden I'm like, I'm going to go hard. I'm, I was doing a hundred hours of research. Now I'm going to do 500 hours. I had this camera. Now I'm going to get a better camera. I had this, like I'm going all in with this. And I did, dude, I went all in going live podcasting, call-in shows, preaching. And then one day I was doing a podcast like this, right? Where I invite guests on every week. And I was like the first guy to do it. So it was like very fresh. And then my uncle's like, you need to buy a stand-up desk. And I'm like, no, I was fighting him, right? This was like three months after the pandemic, the online. And I was I was averaging like five, 600. He's like, you need to buy a stand-up desk. I'm like, why? He's like, because the way you preach on stage and how radical you are and you're nonstop rapid fire, you're passionate, you need to do that. Because I wasn't doing that. I was just behind a desk like, yeah, God is, like just talking like this. Well, I'm so loud now, but he's like, you need to get a stand-up desk and you need to preach your heart out and see what happens. Cause that's the message. That's what, and I'm like, no, cause I don't want to do it. I'm like, no, I just want to do podcasting with guests. It's easier and it's more comfortable. And yeah. it's like, it's going to be weird if I'm over here shouting in a mic in front of a camera. So he's my pastor. I'm like, all right, I'm going to submit right honor. Yeah. I buy a stand-up desk and I do, I decide to do what I called Friday night fire where I'm just going to get up and preach again, still felt uncomfortable, felt discouraged. Guys, every time I was going live, I didn't want to. I was fighting it. I was battling. Like, I don't want to do this. I'm only doing this for you, God. And dude, I did that Friday Night Fire where I would just went and preached my heart out in front of that screen. A screen. A screen. No yeah. no one there. Yeah. I just preached as if I was in a building. And it went to 1,000 viewers, 2,000 viewers, 3,000. It just, it just took off. Blew up. The channel blew up. The views blew up. All of a sudden, I went from... 5,000 starting with, you know, 10,000, 100,000, 300,000, 500,000, 600,000. TikTok, 15 million views. The first video we posted, 300,000 followers in one weekend on that. Facebook <laughs> Facebook went to 300. You know, everything just started blowing up. And then I went on YouTube. My views doubled. And all of a sudden, I'm like, we're hitting like 4,000, 5,000, 10,000 people live. This is a stadium now, right? We're preaching to right. massive. And then we're getting... 500,000 views on some of these live streams, a million views. The TikToks are getting millions of views. The deliverance videos are getting millions of views. And I'm just like last year, it's 2023 right now, but last year we did 300 million views, I believe, or a little bit under 300 million views on all platforms. Our channel's about to hit 150 million on YouTube. And it was just so crazy because I fought it. I'm, I'm, and still to this day, I deal with discouragement and feeling insecure mm. and feeling like, I don't know God and should I and what and what are the heresy hunters going to think and what are the comment sections and now I have thousands of people commenting that I don't even know and I'm reading comments of oh this guy talks to you and this guy's this and this guy and like it doesn't get to me but there's a time where it's like man you just have the whole world criticizing and yeah. judging every word you speak and so it's not yeah. easy yeah. but dude if I can do it anybody can do it it's just crazy I'm on this crazy journey and wow. I want to say this before I close or whatever we're going to do next 
I feel like I'm going to wake up at any moment. Like, dude, I can't stress this enough. I feel like I've been dreaming for 12 years. And I tell my wife this at least once a week. I'm like, are we going to ever wake up? Like, I have a real fear that one day I'm just going to like wake up and be an atheist at 19 and be like, whoa, that was a crazy dream. Because the life I'm living is so unreal, so supernatural, so the favor and the grace of God. God took the most unqualified, unskilled, uneducated, a guy that couldn't give announcements to a dog, like a guy that couldn't speak in front of three people, couldn't ever get in front of a crowd, still to this day. Like if you said, go do announcements in front of the church, I'm like, I don't know how. Like I, without the anointing of God, I hope that, I hope what people get from this is without God, none of this, like Isaiah is nobody. Like without the Holy Spirit, I'm just, broken i'm beat down i'm nothing and so man i am a testament to like god can use the broken the hurting the unqualified the uneducated i know we had a whole way we're gonna go and it went a different direction but i really feel like my testimony was important to people watching that are like i can't do what he does no yeah this is perfect because i just think that when most people would look at your life they wouldn't even consider that you've ever felt discouraged yeah they wouldn't they just wouldn't think it's just you're the anointing comes on and you're so confident. Yeah. And and it is. I mean, granted, God has done significant things yeah. in your life that he doesn't, by his sovereignty, choose to do in a lot of people. Yeah. So there's a, a set-apart call on your life. But in a in a weird way, if I could say this in a holy way, it is nice to, to hear yeah. that the man of God also faces some of the same feelings that the rest of us face. Yeah. And... And there's always for every one of us still a choice to say, I might feel that, but I know what God has said. Yes. I, I might question myself, but I know what the call is. And I, I have to say yes. Yeah. I got to obey. Yeah. And and that really, I think just there's probably a million things you take, but I would say that's one of the top things I would encourage anybody watching this, listening to this. Your call is probably not going to be the same as Isaiah's or mine. Might be similar, might be way different. But the point is, Whatever God's call on your life is, obedience to that call is number needs to be number one priority. Yep. At whatever cost. Absolutely. I mean, that's what victory in the kingdom is. Is is success is obeying God's voice. Success is not getting victory in the eyes of the world at the expense of God. That's Mm. failure. So it doesn't matter how much money you make, position, stature, popularity, fame, any of that. If it's not what God's called you to, you failed. So um It's been a wild journey, man. But I really believe all those watching, be encouraged. Like there's been ups, there's been downs. You know, I've gone through my parents having a divorce during the middle of the revival. I've had a daughter that was in the NICU for 12 days. We thought was dead the night she was born. A crazy experience. We've had these hard times and moments, but at the end of the day, man, I'm like the God's grace. It's almost like, I was on an interview for a movie we're a part of. I think you're a part of it as well. Coming up soon, the Domino Revival. Yeah. And they were like, name name your hardest moment. And I was like, <laughs> it's so weird when you have God's grace on you because the hard moments don't feel so hard. I'm like, mm-hmm. that should have been way harder than it was. But the grace of God, when, you, when you're called... It's not hard. It's the grace of God carries you through. And like, yeah, of course, I don't want to glorify the struggle or glorify the dysfunction or any of that. But at the same time, like the grace of God has been on my life. I've been just, Lord, I want to serve you. Every altar call I do, I respond. Every time I'm preaching, I'm like, Lord, I'm the first one to repent. I'm the guy. I want to be on my face. I want to, if I need deliverance, let me go through deliverance. I've never got to a place where I think I'm better or I'm bigger than anybody. I'm just like, Lord, I want to stay broken, humble, on my face, 
every day I'm like, I don't know what I'm doing. I want to keep challenging myself, being a good father, being a good husband and serving God. And I think we have to stay in that place of humility because if you start getting arrogant and proud, it's like, God's like, you're on your own, you know, but God really has been with me through every trial, through every tribulation, through every circumstance and, and shortcoming. Dude, thank you. Thank you for sharing all that. I, I give, I'm blown away by your story. Uh, I do want to just touch on the second part of the the podcast because this is conversations in contrast, hey. and so it's it's supposed to be two primary questions. One is, are you too hot? It's all good. I'm 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 bro. I'm fired up, yeah. so I'm all sweaty. Let, let me just good. say this, and I'll get to my last question, and it won't be as long, but uh, you could just share on it as short as you want. But let me just say this for everybody listening: I was so pleased today was the first day I met Isaiah in person. He picks me up in the car for us to go. Be on, be on his studio in his live stream together and the same volume intensity everything <laughs> he's talking in his car like about normal things yeah and i'm like okay you're the same dude yeah and so i appreciate that about you yeah what you see is what you get i'm yeah. like the same way be like do you always talk about god i'm like bro it's 24 7 yeah. every day i'm i'm i'll say anything a straw i'm like this kleenex box dude these boxes are the best the way they <laughs> i'll literally do it with anything i'm just passionate about life true. super passionate so, um, so the second part of this is conversations in contrast is this, a, what's one of the hardest things you've been through difficulty. Let's talk about that. And then the second thing is let's talk about something awesome to close. And so, um, my goal in the second part is to do some, some behind their back research and let another, yeah, I don't know why we're going praise your lips. So I asked in this case, I asked your girls, all of them. You, oh, really? Uh, basically you have a wife and you have four daughters. Yeah. So yeah. You have all girls in this family. I said, Hey, What's one of your favorite things about dad? What's Aww. your favorite things about about your husband? And um, I want to talk to you about this because it's one of the things that they mentioned, and it's it stood out to me that they said, even though millions of people, all that, he they said Isaiah just wants to be friends with everybody and will give time to people, and he's super generous, mm. and uh, and it resonated because even the fact that we are literally. Our, this is a mobile podcast studio that we're sitting in right now in a trailer that we bought. And you're like, yo, come park it in my, in my, yeah. in my driveway. Yeah. And I think you told me your wife is even like, do we know yeah. them? Like, I was like, oh, we know them kind we of. We kind of know. I've seen a few TikTok videos. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like we've never met before and my, I'm staying here in yeah. your, you know? And so I think that's pretty incredible that the, the big stages, the lights, the massive platform, and yet. It's in your heart to give individual people attention, care, friendship, mm. and they specifically talked about your generosity. And so, can I just invite you for a few minutes not to be humble? Because oh, I know man. you. The, the point of this segment was something that somebody's not going to stand on a stage yeah. and talk about because it's going to sound like bragging. So we're removing that. You're not bragging now. I'm asking you. So tell us about that. What in you has led to? that type of attitude, especially when it regards to generosity. Yeah. I mean, I just genuinely love people. Like my wife, I always say people asking like our marriage Q and A's like, why did you marry him? She's like, I love that. He loves, he genuinely is nice to everybody. She always says that, right? He loves people, but that's exactly what she said. I, dude, I love people. I literally, this is I'm so funny. I like people so much that when I'm driving, I'm like, Oh, I wouldn't mind someone getting a flat tire so I could help them out. Like change their tire. I'm not kidding. <laughs> dude. I had, a, I had a door dasher that no. was like, sorry, my car broke down. I was like, I'll 
be right there. I drove out there like midnight because I was trying to get my wife some midnight Taco Bell. I was like, I'll drive out there. I'll help you give your ride home, charge your car. I, I love that. I love helping people. I love being there for people. I love giving, you know, we give money to families and people and I won't say who, but we support missionaries and we want to give, give, give. And my thing is like, God has blessed us financially and family, all of that. So the more I can pour out, if God's giving me finances, it's all for his kingdom. I want to pour that out and bless other ministers, ministers, other people. And so I've always felt like, man, I've been blessed to be a blessing. And I'm telling you, the more money we give away, the more people we help, the more we do things, the more God pours in. Like every time I try to give money to somebody, God gives it back two, three times. And it's just an endless cycle. But deep down, I love people. Um, I just genuinely do. I love helping people. Like I love seeing people broken down so I can go help them push their car. That's I was a, at a big, that's big, incredible. Oh, dude, I was at a big, big conference and you know, people bring you in, they think you're the celebrity, whatever. Right. You know, we have a large following, so it is what it is. And people yeah. treat you a certain way. But yeah, I was with these pastors, me and my uncle and they're like, Oh my gosh, we're so honored. You guys would come and everybody's waiting like the whole thing. And they over honored us. I appreciate it. But we were stopped and a guy broke down in front of us and me and my uncle look at each other. We both open, we're on our way to service. We both open up our doors. We're all dressed up and we both pushed the guy's car all the way. And the pastor was like, I, I've never had a guest speaker. Like you didn't even think you didn't ask. You just jumped out of the car and pushed this guy a mile down the road to the gas station. Like you're all sweaty. And we didn't even think twice, but I'm like, that's how I want to be. I want to wash people's feet. Like Jesus said, I didn't come to serve, Serve, but but I didn't come to be served, but but to serve. And so I want to be like, okay, the greatest leader in human history, who's the king of kings and the Lord of lords, teaches us the way to be a leader and to be great is to serve and wash feet. So if I could wash someone's feet, if I could help a homeless person, or if I can give somebody a ride, or you know, even if I just got a new car and get the smell. You know, I bought a, a car, like I think it was six or seven years ago. It was like a brand new car. It was a, a Audi A3 sedan. Like my wife wanted this car and it was, it was the first time we ever bought a new car. So we were like so happy about it. This was right before Justice was born. So probably seven or eight years ago. And right when I got it, there was this like, smelliest, dirtiest, homeless guy ever was like, hey, bro, can you give me a ride? And I remember driving and my car smelled, my brand new Audi was like, smelled so bad. He had, you know, grease stains on it. And the Lord was just like, this is what I've called you to do. Oh, you want to buy a nice car? Oh, you want to, that's great. Have the nice stuff, but don't let the nice stuff have you, but I'm going to dirty it up right when I got it. And that was, I've always remembered that guy and God kind of taught me, maybe it was an angel, but God kind of taught me like, you're always going to have dirty people in your car and you're going to drive people and help people and be there for your people and your kids and your wife and family members and all that. So yeah, I'm like with money, I'm just like, dude, my famous lines is all going to burn. So if we get like a nice thing or a nice, this or a nice car or a nice, anything, I'm like, yeah, it's nice, but it's all going to burn. Like money to me is a tool. And so it comes, it goes. I don't care if someone called me right now and said, dude, I need 10 grand for this. I'll make it happen. Like, dude, you don't have to pay me back. I got you. Like, it doesn't matter to me. I don't even think twice. So I think having a generous heart, God, That's God beautiful. blesses us for that. Well, good on you, man. Awesome, That's man. That's beautiful. That's such a good attitude. Thank you. Thank you for sharing with us today. Thanks for having me on, Be- dude. Before we close, uh, let's do two things. Why don't you share with everybody, if anybody is not already connecting with you or following you, let us know where they can find you. And then lastly, I'd, I wonder if you could just say a prayer. Yeah. Specifically in regards to obedience, discouragement, and uh and insecurity yeah so you can find me on isaiahsaldivar.com everywhere am i is there a camera i should look at isaiahsaldivar.com uh youtube facebook instagram it's all isaiah saldivar also i want to touch on this on my website we have a free deliverance map so if you're out there like i've watched your deliverance videos but i need to get free or someone to pray for me we have 2500 people that we've 
put through applications, FaceTimed all over the world that will literally pray for you. So wherever area you're at, go to my website, go to my deliverance map tab, and you can find someone. We make no money. We spend money, but we make no money on this. You can find someone to pray for you and do deliverance with you. And, and that's they a do whole that through Zoom. Yeah, through the through my website. So what they do is they go on the map. It's an interactive map. They can find someone in their area. There's pins like, dude, we have the whole maps covered. Like the whole US is fully covered. We have like 200 people in just LA. So you find a pin next to you and they have a phone number and an email. So you can reach out to that person and that person will meet up with you and pray with you and deliver do deliverance wow. on you. And they've been trained through our stuff and we've done interviews with them, all that. So that's the deliverance map, which is a whole nother podcast. We could talk yeah. about how God yeah. did that. But um, yeah, let me pray for them. Beautiful. Yeah. Should I look at a camera while I pray or... Yeah, you can right. look or you can close your eyes, whatever you Father, want. Father, I just pray right now, Lord, over every single person listening that you would touch them in the same way you've touched me. I pray, Lord, mm -hmm. with your Holy Spirit, with your power, it's not by might, not by strength, but by his spirit, I pray you would break the power of discouragement, weariness, tiredness, anxiety. Lord, I pray that that thing stopping them would no longer stop them. We command every foul spirit, every lie of the devil to leave in Jesus' name. Satan, you have no power. You will no longer delay their destiny. You will no longer hold them back. But I pray, Holy Spirit, fill them right now in Jesus' name. Lord, you said if we ask, you will give. So tonight we ask you to fill us with the Holy Spirit baptize us in power, and I just pray, let them be bold for you, God. Lord, even when we don't feel like it, we say yes to you. Even when we don't want to, we say yes. Even when we feel discouraged or weary or tired, I pray we'd say yes to you, God. Touch every listener, heal their body, deliver them from every bondage and power of the devil, break every stronghold. Father, we give you all the glory. Lord, I take no credit, no glory. It's not about a man, it's about you. I give right. you all the honor, all the praise, all the glory. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Amen. Thanks, bro. What a good show, man. Thanks for joining, everybody. God bless you.